BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is an EMT kit, and it's a special one that you cannot get, I think, maybe anywhere. I'm not positive. Here's a splint. You know, you hear that? But, but not only that, I have these sutures that are in here. Now, I know this kind of has a Frankensteinian uh, kind of thought to it, but think about it. If you're isolated, if there's a hurricane, there's an earthquake. Listen, I've been through both now, earthquakes and hurricanes, and I will tell you, you are isolated. And, and you call 911 and they'll say, uh, it has a, a ice compressed, instant ice. Now think about that. No electricity after an earthquake. No electricity after a tornado. No electricity after a hurricane. Half my neighborhood didn't have electricity. This is a chest seal. It's a vented chest seal, obviously for a, a really bad uh, chest wound. There's a couple of those. Sleeve for taking your blood pressure. A stethoscope. I don't even know what you're listening for there, but I'll learn. But this blood pressure kit alone, you know, you should have on hand in your house. All right, we're back uh, on Cracker 82.5, the Ledger Report live. Hopefully the rumble feed will not be sticking no more. Um, and I can answer the question that one um, special ed asked me regarding my attire today. And of course, um, try and fill in uh, what uh, Stephanie uh, is asking. Um, I'm trying to find out right now if the feed is actually now back or it's gonna loop and Rumble can't handle this. This is gonna be interesting. I, I don't know, frankly, I mean, this is all Kind of new technology to me. Right now, Rumble is uh, is not recognizing that there's a new feed, so that's interesting. Well, I think what you have to do if you're watching is hit refresh, and um, I think we're back up. So I'm going to continue on special ed starting now. The reason I am wearing pink and the pink shirt that says even when I'm wrong, I'm right, is because my daughter gave me this shirt. But my daughter also pays attention to my program. And on my program, um, I have said over the years, even when I'm wrong, I'm right, at the end. And uh, we say it on this program, Cracker 82.5. Now, if you want to ask the question special ed about the hat, you, the hat uh, in, in particular says, it's my fault. You want to know why? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if it's coming from your daughter, of course, everything is your fault. But go ahead. It's it's very simple. There's a winery up in, like, I think Mendocino that is on a fault line. And this is what they, she visited it recently. And this is how they market their wine. It's my fault. Fault line, get it? So it is kind of a contrast to where it's my fault hat. And even when I'm wrong, I'm right. I realize that. But let's get into the news for crying out loud. Um, we have a lot of political news out there, as we always do. Interesting news from the border regarding Florida and what Governor DeSantis has done, and I applaud him on this. And remember, I call balls and strikes as I see them. I think that Governor DeSantis um, has to be kept on a short leash, but if we keep him on a short leash, I think he'll do fine. And, he, and on this issue, uh, I think he's done great. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. Uh, he also signed a digital bill of rights, and I'm sure Special Ed, you're going to have a lot to talk about that. Um, Miami real estate is starting to, uh, well, it's not spark, it's starting to take a nosedive, but it's starting, I think, to be less on fire than it was like a couple of years ago. Um, the state-run insurance in Florida is shedding customers, and I'll tell you why. It's, this is a very important thing for homeowners uh, in the great state of Florida. On the national level, the FBI, <laughs> this is incredible to me, the FBI says it's worried about the Biden whistleblower. Well, why don't you protect them, FBI? <laughs> why don't you do your, your job? 
Um, you know, I, I know the FBI's job isn't to protect people, but in, in general, it is to protect people in this country. And then we have a lot to say on this PGA. It's, it's not live golf, by the way. People call it live golf because they're lazy. And, you know, I've said live golf, but it's not. It's L is the Roman numeral, and it's Roman numeral 1V, which means what, Special Ed? Well, I mean, L-I-V is 50, and then I is 1, and V is 5. So it stands for 54, which is the number of holes that they played on the Live Golf Tour versus 72 on the PGA. Yeah, and, and, and apparently that's a formula that they arrived at, that 72 holes is just like uh, 18 holes too long. <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know. Sometimes I think 18 holes is nine holes too long, but you know this is this is their uh, this is their calculation. But you know I know there's a lot to say about that. But you know first uh, I want to get to special ed. Uh, Mike Pence, who is not my cup of tea, I'll just tell you straight out, Mike Pence is not my cup of tea, and Chris Christie, not my cup of tea. Um, I. I can tell you individually why I don't like these gentlemen. I think Chris Christie is a sellout. I think he's a buffoon. I think he's an opportunist. And I think Pence doesn't understand the big picture. There's something blocking Mike Pence's vision because he's not a stupid guy and he's a conservative. He's got conservative values. He's a Christian. He's got Christian values. But there's something he's got blinders on or something. He's, he's just missing the big picture. And you know, go back to um, go back to January 6th and, and what he could have done uh, as the presiding officer over the House of Representatives in, in, in looking at the election, accepting the election results. He had constitutional power to say, hey, you know what, Wisconsin or Pennsylvania or Georgia, there is there are reports of malfeasance. I'd like you to go back and do a, um, a criminal investigation. I want to see a criminal investigation into this and report back to me in one week. Yeah, it would have delayed officially stamping the election results, but so what? There was election malfeasance in many states, in many districts, in many precincts, in many counties. And so we deserve to know. So Mike Pence just, I don't know, Special Ed, am I, am I wrong on this? You know, I think Mike Pence and a ton of politicians su suffer from Stockholm Swamp Disease. They have all these great mandates and all these things that they want to go do, and then they get sucked into the D.C. swamp, and then all of a sudden they lose their values. I think Mike Pence is indicative of that kind of typical rhino, you know, whether or not you're a Democrat or a Republican. I mean, once you get into the swamp, guess what? You lose all your values, and I think he shows it every time he gets out and he opens his mouth. And I'll tell you another thing. Uh, loyalty is big to me. You know, I'm a, Italian, so it's in my blood. But, but you know, loyalty in the political realm is, is rare. And I know Donald Trump values loyalty. I think that's one of the reasons why he has um, said nice things about me, yours truly, uh, over the, not recently, <laughs> a few years ago anyway. Um, because, uh, but... But it really, for me, it's not even about being loyal. It's about being constitutional. But I'm loyal to the Constitution. Donald Trump has been loyal to the Constitution. Therefore, I'm loyal to him. And that's kind of the way it unfolds for me. And there's something about Mike Pence. I don't know what it is. And speaking of Donald Trump, it's his birthday on, on June 14th. But on June 10th at Madeira Beach, which is just down the road from you, Special Ed, we are doing a birthday celebration for Donald Trump at noon at Madeira Beach. We'll have speakers beginning at 1 p.m., led by uh, yours truly, who's going to be the MC. Roger Stone's going to be there. We're trying to get uh, Fatiado, Fatiago, uh, Blow, what's his name, special? <laughs> An Italian first name, whatever we forget, Blow, who's our, our Target rapper who says, clean up on aisle every place in Target. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's the one that made the boycott Target video. I'm translating for special ed. I don't know if he's going to make it or not, um, but um, we'll see. But we'll have a lot of um, a lot of fun there celebrating. It's it's down right at the at the uh, water's edge there, so there'll be a 
uh, a land lover's audience and there'll be a sea lover's audience where the, we'll have boats. Um, I don't think you can beach there. I think there's there's uh, too much brick brack, I think is what they call that. You know, the, the rocks that hold the side of like a levee or a, a jetty there. But the bottom line is we'll have boats. We'll, we'll, one, one if by land and two if by sea, we'll have both going on there. And so June 10th, that's this Saturday, Madeira Beach, which is in the St. Pete kind of area, kind of near John's Pass. And that's at noon. Speaking begins at one o'clock. It should be interesting. It's an interesting venue right on the, uh, on the water there. Bring a chair, bring some sunscreen, bring, uh, bring a cover, because I think on Saturday it's going to be a high of about 88 degrees. All right, let's move on. Um, I want to bring a, a story to your attention, especially that's not on our list, but I, I, I didn't have it in the lineup. But then I started thinking about it, and this is a big deal. A federal judge has blocked Florida's ban on the uh, what they call you know the, the, the sex change operations, the gender affirming, which is what these nutcases call it. No, it's, it's child mutilation. And so a, a Clinton-appointed judge in Florida has blocked the legislation that was passed in Tallahassee to make these child mutilation operations illegal. Now, I'm, I don't know about you, you know, I'm, an, I'm almost a libertarian when it comes to the Constitution and the government and hands off, but sometimes you have to protect children, and um, this Clinton judge ought to be brought to the woodshed. Well, I mean, not to quote it, but I mean, I go back to what Elon Musk said, and, you know, he's actually saying that, you know, there should be severe consequences, even, you know, the death penalty for some of these people. And it is. It's child abuse. It's child mutilation. But if you go take a look at the headlines, the headlines say DeSantis suffers a stunning defeat. Well, it, it isn't a defeat yet. It just asks for a stay on the statement of this. And I think there's enough reasonable, I hope medical professionals that can come up and say, this is not the right thing to go do. This is experimental. Even if we go look at people in Scandinavia that are very liberal, I mean, they're looking at this as highly speculative and highly experimental. Well, it's, it's child abuse is what it is. You know, people in this country have a problem with Muslim cultures doing, um, I, you know, it's a family show, but they, um, they do... Um, surgery on young girls. I don't even know what it is exactly, but it's incredible, and it is mutilation. And people in this country, liberals, Marxists, and conservatives alike, have a problem with it, and they should, right? They reject it. But somehow, it's okay to take a boy and mutilate him, or take a girl and... I don't even know how you... I don't even, you know, I don't even want to think about it. This is God's work. This is, you know, in God's image. We were talking about aliens the other day, and could they be a creation of God? Of course, they could be a creation of God if they exist, which I think they do in some form. And maybe they were, uh, you know, a, a form of humans at, at one point that left this planet because it, 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 it crashed and burned, you know, millions of years ago. And now here we are about to crash and burn again. I don't know. I don't even want to get into the alien discussion. But the bottom line is the intention of this bill, even though I look at it from a libertarian kind of point of view, is, is protecting the children. And it is um, it is incredible that this judge um, is stopping that. And so uh, we'll see how it plays out. Meantime, at the border, Special Ed, I love this. This is one of the things that I support DeSantis on. I do not support DeSantis sending illegals to the interior of this country, whether it's California or Martha's Vineyard or whatever. But I do support what he's done in sending National Guard troops down into Texas, and apparently it's uh, it's working. Well, um, the, the name of it is called Operation Lone Star, and you know what DeSantis has said down there, the uh, Florida law enforcement, they have made 200 arrests along the southern U.S. border. And then we talked about, you know, having some other people join in. I think we've had some other people. I don't know if it's Iowa or Carolina. I think there's some people from Idaho. But, yeah, we're helping the people right along the Texas border, help them enforce and keep, I'm not going to say what they say in this, illegals from entering into this country and people that are illegals and have arrest records in other countries and are basically nothing but convicts that are coming across the border. Thank you for saying 
illegals and not migrants. That's what Special Ed was alluding to, because I asked him, anytime you see the word migrant, which is what they're not, by definition, they're not migrants, because they want to stay here. A migrant works and then leaves. They're not coming here for a, a temporary green card to pick lettuce. They're coming here to violate our sovereignty and to suck off the nipple of the federal government as much as they can. I'm sorry, even if they're here to work and work on roofs here in Florida, um, they're still illegal. And we have laws in this country against them working in the state of Florida. I'm sorry, you people who are complaining that your roof isn't getting repaired quickly. That's the law. It's a federal law, and the and the state law just mirrored it. That's all. That's all. And of course, it and, should be illegal to hire an illegal. Go ahead. Yeah, and just and just to put a little, you know, some numbers to that. You know, the uh, Florida law enforcement officials that are down there have made over. 5,800 contacts, okay? Imagine if they weren't there. That would be 5,800 people that probably would have come across the border. And oh yeah, by the way, one of those people that they have is an MS-13 gang member. So kudos. Exactly. And and that's the one they got. How many got away, right? Um, and so DeSantis is doing the right thing here. And so are the other governors that are sending troops to the border. But they, you know, obviously it's not enough. Unless we had a, a million-man army from Florida which we could, we could muster. I know we could. It would be a, a militia of, of people like me in pink shirts <laughs> at the border with our firearms saying, no bueno, <clears throat> turn around and go back to your country of origin. Okay? No mas. No more of this stuff. Okay? It's over. We need a secure, sovereign border or we lose this country. And so, uh, Special Ed, i got to make an adjustment that I'm going to go off camera for 30 seconds while you explain this next uh, story that involves uh, the Attorney General of Florida, Ashley Moody. Um, she, had, uh, she took on the Department of Homeland Security. And I, you know, I've heard mixed reviews on Ashley Moody, but she took on the Department of Homeland Security, so take it away. Well, as you mentioned, uh, Ashley Moody, um, on May 8th, the U.S. District Judge Kent Weatherwell of the Northern District of Florida Pensacola Division, DHS policy on the use of parole plus alternatives to defend, detention, got a lot of mouthful, to decompress border locations. What she had done in the ruling is that, that Ashley Moody, in partnering with the DHS, and partnering with other federal agencies and non-governmental organizations to temporarily house and transport millions of people to U.S. nationwide, the DHS appealed against that, and she won that appeal. So what we're basically trying to say is that we're trying to stop this flow, this, this flood. It isn't a flow anymore. It's a flood of all these people here by confronting the Department of Homeland Security and saying like, no, wait a minute, the policies that you have just, and it's not even catch and release, it's like, say hello and let them release, you know, he's got, she's got to win in regards to that. Yeah, well, they're, what they're doing is, I got to fix my microphone while we talk here. Um, yeah, but in, in speaking with Border Patrol Chief uh, Raul Ortez, he was explaining it, saying that in Texas, the sector's plan to release people into local communities According to a recording the meeting she held and local law enforcement provided to her, said no. So what we're doing is we're taking all these people. You know, we talk about having people that are going to California and Newsom thinks that we put them on a plane, so therefore it's kidnapping. But it's okay if we go ahead and release all these people in communities, just like a swarm trying to go into a baseball game or, you know, coming right. out of a concert or something. It's, it's absolutely nuts. And kudos for her. And make no mistake, there is a method to the madness, and it is madness, of what the Biden administration and the Democrats and the Marxists are doing. Because, <coughs> excuse me, the template is California. And for that matter, now Arizona uh, and New Mexico, they're gone. Arizona is gone. I mean, now they're running out of water in Arizona. And that's not a good sign. So what is that going to let you You think you're going to have any more people coming to Arizona? They're not even going to build anymore. Oh, yeah, sure. It's going to drive up the prices of houses, too. But will it? If you know that they're uh, basically coming to a rationing of water moment in Arizona, what's that going to leave behind in Arizona? 
And this is, by the way, I don't want to get into it, but this is a byproduct of the Colorado River water and the, the agreement they made and the federal government, et cetera, et cetera. And so-called drought restrictions and, of course, global warming. They're going to blame it on global warming, not all the other uh, governmental factors. But anyway, the, um, the bottom line is by putting illegals in states like red states like Florida or Tennessee, they are betting on the future. This is what happened in California. They bet on the future in California way back in the 60s and the 70s, started flooding the zone, started doing the cloward Piven model, overwhelming the system, and voila, you have California now, the promised land for Marxist socialists. So this victory by Ashley Moody is, is a very good thing. It's a small drop in the water, but we need lots of drops in the water. There's an interesting law, especially when you're driving in, uh, in Florida, that uh, that we don't have in California, but um, I, you know it makes sense. I just um, it makes total sense to have it. I, I just uh, I think that the the fine may be a little bit draconian, <laughs> but the bottom line is um, this law that I guess they put more teeth into is designed to you know, protect lives on the freeway. Yeah, and and I. Yeah, I, I kind of go back into like, you know, when when we were like adults and we grew up and like, you know, you weren't supposed to drive in the left hand lane if you weren't, you know, the, the fastest moving traffic there. And, you know, that wasn't really a law. And I'm sure that you and I know that if you see, you know, a fire truck or some kind of emergency vehicle coming from behind you, you're going to pull over. It kind of reminds me of Noah Wiley, who was the guy that uh, Tom Cruise interviewed in, in the movie. Um, I'm trying to think what that movie was. Um, um, a few good men, right? And he asked him, he goes like, uh, where's the mess hall? He goes, is that in the book? He goes, no, sir. He goes, we just go where everybody's going because otherwise we're going to miss chow. But anyway, in regards to that, what it really means is that drivers are required to move over from the lane closest to a stopped emergency vehicle, sanitation, truck, utility service, construction, blah, 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 first responders, and make sure that they are pulled over for their speed is 20 miles per hour or less. Otherwise, as you said, they're going to be ticketed. And, yeah, I do have a problem with some of the ticketing thing. It's going to be in between 60 and $158 if you don't comply. Well, you know, I, again, I'm not I'm just analyzing it on the fly. Uh, it, it totally makes sense to, to try and protect people. I mean, we've seen all these dash cam videos of these police officers getting smashed by uh, or nearly smashed by cars that are out of control. And, and you know, I know I. It's a, my, one of my nightmares is to break down on the freeway, especially I-75 over here, which is, <laughs> which is the uh, Indy 500 of America. I've never seen people drive so fast. And that's probably one of the problems in Florida where the freeways are often straight. You know, they often, in California, they built in curves in freeways so people, A, wouldn't fall asleep and B, wouldn't speed. And I don't see a lot of that uh, uh, here in Florida. Um, but they expanded this move over. It's called the move over law. So it's not just, as special ed mentioned, law enforcement or what have you. Now it's expanded to anybody who breaks down, I think, along the side of the road. But again, you know, it, it makes sense. And this, um, this other bill that was signed by uh, DeSantis, this digital bill of rights bill, I haven't read it, special ed, but I know that you're a digital uh, guru or you love digital stuff, it's your thing, it's part of your passions. Um, and so what do, you, what do you make of this thing? What, what is the Digital Bill of Rights? What's it designed to do and what do you think? Well, let's go take a look at what happens in the other side of the world, which is the um, FTX Sam Bankman Freed, who was arrested for you know, fraud and embezzlement in, in what we'd call cryptocurrency. And nobody in Washington, D.C. even understands what crypto is. They don't understand what crypto is. They don't understand what AI is. But we're going to allow the government and the Fed to start employing digital currency, which basically means we're trying to get rid of the dollar, the dollar, that piece of currency that exists in your hand today that, you know, people would go over and like, you know, buy a lottery ticket or people would buy a bus pass with or we'd go, you know, give our, you know, our waitress at the restaurant a tip in dollars. So what we're basically trying to do is eliminate the dollar and have everything digital, which means basically they're going to have an electronic record of every single thing, every single transaction that you have. 
And that could go all the way from, you know, what you bought over at Publix to did you go over to Walmart and buy some, you know, nine millimeter bullets? And by the way, did you go to a gun store and did you happen to buy a nine millimeter Glock? So I think it's just an overreach by somebody who doesn't understand it. And it's one of those things that you got to stop it before the genie gets out of the bottle. But doesn't this bill uh, also put in some breaks in terms of whether these search engines, for example, Google, uh, whether they prioritize search results based on uh, political ideology? Doesn't it include uh, safeguards like that? Well, it does, because, I mean, you, you go take a look at and we do this all the time because we try to get links and we try to get stories and we try to get known, you know, sources that are out there. I mean, and I go out and I'll check something out on Google and I'll find out that a story we'll have isn't even going to, it doesn't even show up on a Google. So what we're basically trying to do is saying like, no, you, you can't shame somebody. No, you can't, you know, put them at the bottom of the list just simply because you have a political bent. Because also at the end of the day, remember this, when you think of anything digital, that means information sharing. And information sharing means that people like Facebook and Google and Instagram and everybody else that's over there and their ability to go take your data and do whatever they want with it, manipulate it and show a political bias toward it. You know, I, uh, again, as a kind of libertarian look at something like this, I, you know, I, my solution to the Google problem is don't use it. Now, I know, I know that this has good intentions, but with, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I just, um, I don't know. I mean, the right to opt out of having personal data sold, I, yeah, then, you know, don't go there. You know, I, I don't know. I could be wrong on this, but uh, I want to go to Miami. I don't want to move to Miami, um, but the real estate business industry in Miami was en fuego for probably the last two years. And then, of course, the Federal Reserve starts jacking up interest rates and the whole dynamic changes. I, I hope that there's no bubble forming, if you will, in, uh, in the Miami real estate uh, market. It seems to be still thriving and doing pretty well. But the bottom line is, Special Ed, that the uh, higher interest rates and you know the, the recession that we're in, you know, we have this debate on Wall Street. Every day I listen to CNBC. Don't ask me why, I just do, okay? I often, people ask me why I watch CNN sometimes. Well, it's because you got to know your enemy. CNBC is your enemy. And Jim Cramer, I used to respect the guy. I don't respect him anymore. I listen to him, but I do not respect the guy. He has, uh, he has sold out. Maybe he never was, you know, um, one of us, if you will. But he's definitely not one of us now. Um, he's entertaining. I think he's a pretty good performer on television. I think he's very smart. But in terms of the Constitution and understanding the Constitution and the true free markets, he's a disaster. Um, but, you know, I got to know what the enemy is doing. And I guess he's part of the enemy. But the bottom line is they're debating constantly whether, you know, we're in a recession. When are we going to go in a recession? When are we going to go? <laughs> recession, you know, they always name a recession uh, about uh, maybe a quarter or two after it started. So they backdate it. You know, that's convenient for the government, too, right? They can say, well, we're in a recession, but we're already through it. We're already done. So don't worry about it, ladies and gentlemen. I believe, well, and I think you do, too, Special Ed, that we've been in a recession probably for the last two years. And part of it is because of this is the, the hangover from shutting down the global economy as well as the U.S. economy. And thus the, uh, the inflation is, is part of that hangover. People's real wages have dropped because of inflation, and this has an effect on real estate. And it's, I think the teeth are starting to sink in in Miami. Well, I mean, understand the government, and they're probably running on Windows XP or something antiquated like that. The information that we get from the government, as you're saying, is always trailing data. We experience the hurt of whatever it is with prices, inflation, whatever, months and months ahead of what's going on. And if we go back to the housing bubble, so to speak, that happened in Florida, you had a lot of people that were coming in here and they were paying cash unseen for property. So the interest rates didn't affect them. Now that that bubble is kind of gone where we actually have people that are going through the mortgage lending, you know, process, then yeah, it's starting to affect them. I mean, right now, Freddie Mac's latest 30 year rate is 6.79%. Purchase home prices are now down 20%. 
and Miami is one of the least affordable places in the U.S. to buy a house. So, I mean, that only that only goes to reason, but also at the same time, understand that we have the other side of the equation because, you know, a part of, you know, the, the free market system is a part of economics. It's called supply and demand. There is not a whole lot of supply that's even left in Miami. So there's that part of it. But yeah, we're starting to see the people that actually have to buy and qualify for a loan instead of just like taking it out of, you know, their account from, you know, their their mortgage fund or their, you know, JP Morgan, you know, asset investment firm that they have in Cal in, uh, in Connecticut or New Jersey. These are free market forces, basically what Special Ed is saying and what I'm saying. They're free market, although we have the Fed in there manipulating interest rates. I'm one of these believers that we can do away with the Fed. We could eliminate the Fed. We don't need the Fed. The Fed's mission is way off course. They're supposedly to keep the economy on the uh, on the on the true rail. <laughs> like 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 the Federal Reserve has that. All the Federal Reserve has screwed up the economy. That's all it's done, and made gold more valuable. And so here they've artificially lowered interest rates for the last 15 years, and then I would use the word qualifying again, artificially raising rates. Rates should be effectively set by the free market. But if you're manipulating rates, rates should be, interest rates should be slightly higher than inflation. And so if inflation is at 6%, interest rates should be at 7%. Well, home mortgages right about now are somewhere in the 6% range. That's still a pretty good bargain. I mean, I remember my first interest rate was an adjustable rate, if I believe it. It was a teaser rate at 8% but it had like a cap of 16%. You know, it was up there. And that's what fixed rates were probably back then. If I was getting an 8% adjustable, it was t interest rates must have been around 10%. I think that's usually the spread between a, an adjustable and a fixed rate. But the bottom line is 6% is not the end of the world. I know it seems the end of the world versus 1% or 2%, <laughs> but uh, you know, you still quote, get that tax write off. Uh, Whoop-de-doo. Meantime, this is a big deal, Special Ed, is there's a state-run insurance company in Florida because it's a safety net. It's designed to be a safety net for people who can't get insurance. And it's a bare-bones kind of coverage thing that, you know, that protects your home in case there's a hurricane or you have hurricane damage and whatever. Um, and I, I, I don't think it requires um, flood insurance. But what's happened is so many insurers have left Florida that this citizen's uh, insurance has uh, exploded in terms of its uh, clientele. But now they've, you know, I think people in Tallahassee have realized this is not sustainable and it is, it is not functionable for very long and it could become insolvent in an instant. So they're shedding customers, especially. Well, as you said, what ended up happening is that, you know, if, if you know, one insurance company goes bye-bye, then, you know, then you need insurance. So as you're saying, citizen insurance has swelled to 1.3 million customers. Yeah. That was never intended to hold that many customers. And so consequently now, as you said, they're trying to shed people because they are going to be insolvent. So people that did go over that, they're, they're now saying like, you don't know much. We can't insure you any longer. You know, I've connected the dots on what's happened in Florida with the insurance. And I'll give you the synopsis real quick. In Florida, there is a law that says you must match your home's roof with uh, matching tiles. That you can't, in other words, the insurance company after a hurricane can't put white roof tiles on a uh, terracotta, you know, earth tone roof. Um, and I understand, again, as I just said a few minutes ago, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But what this has done is created a racket in Florida, and that is these roofers. And so after a hurricane, they see one tile on your roof that's no good, and boom, they say, we'll get you a new roof, and we'll make your insurance company pay for it. And because this law has kind of boxed in the insurers that no, you know, because you can't, after a roof is, uh, you know, a certain age, you may not be able to match those tiles. So what do you do? You know, if you can't match the tile, then you have to do the whole damn roof. So you got one tile that's screwed up and the, and the roofers come in and say, we'll make your insurance company pay for it. 
This has driven the insurance companies out of Florida special. I mean, it is a racket. So I understand why this law exists for cosmetic reasons, really. But it has exploded the system in, in Florida, and I think there has to be a better solution than that. Well, if, if you go take a look at insurance and, you know, I go back to my college days and look at any kind of insurance, insurance is probably the single greatest actuarial accurate system as far as the amount of risk that you have versus the amount of money that you pay for that risk. I mean, they have little guys there in the basement there that are, you know, doing actuarial tables and everything else as to, you know, what the incidents are in between, like, you know, like you were saying, like a tile on here, we can't match that. So the insurance rate's going to go up by this much. There needs to be some kind of sanity and some kind of forgiveness clause in between all this, because it'll never go away if we're going to be absolutely that exact and what are really non-consequential things like redoing property. Yeah, and, and it, again, from a libertarian perspective, it's absolutely insane for a government to be involved in your roof, at any, in my opinion, at any level. Again, I know the intention, I, I get it, is to prevent insurers from go putting a, you know, a black tile on your white roof. I understand that, but I also have an HOA that would prevent that. And so, uh, you know, I, there, there are ways um, around this kind of stuff. I think that law needs to be revisited because it has destroyed um, insurance in this state. It's just that I believe that's it. Now, I could be wrong. If you know something differently than me, I, I stand to be educated. That's fine. But I think I've connected the dots on, on this one. Um, on the Fed, on the uh, national level, uh, special ed, I mentioned a, a few minutes ago about the um, the Biden whistleblower. If you're not familiar, the uh, there is a, a whistleblower come forward um, that has some information about the uh, the way the the Hunter Biden investigation is going with the IRS and and maybe at the DOJ for that matter, and that um, there's malfeasance going on, that it's being slow walked that uh, they're trying to protect Hunter Biden, which protects Joe Biden. This whistleblower has come forward. Now, the FBI, whose job it is to protect people in this country, right? That is the FBI's bottom line job, is to protect and to serve, right? Now the FBI is saying, uh-oh, we, we worry about that FBI whistleblower. That's kind of scary, especially. <laughs> Well, and, and kudos, I mean, I, you know, and this is my representative, you know, uh, you know, just to let you know up front, uh, Representative Anna Paulina Luna, and kudos to her for, you know, bringing this out to the public light instead of letting it die in some admin or, you know, in some kind of, you know, nefarious little council or like, you know, some kind of meeting there. She just left the House Oversight Committee where the FBI is afraid that their informant will be killed if he's unmasked based on the information that he's brought forward about the Biden family. That's telling. That's that's very scary. All right. Well, let's not unmask him. Let's just proceed with the investigation, but do it in a lawful way. Do it in a non-biased way. Do it in a non-political way. The fact that we even have an IRS that has been, obviously it's been politicized. When you look at what happened during the Obama years and Lois Lerner and all that, clearly the IRS has been politicized and used as a political weapon. And in my opinion, the IRS needs to be blown up. I mean, a stick of dynamite, light the fuse, put it in the building, get all the people out. I'm not suggesting terrorism. I'm not. I'm talking philosophically here. Light the fuse, put it in the building, and get away and blow it up. What I mean by that is, strictly constitutionally speaking, is eliminating the 16th Amendment. The IRS is a perfect example of, number one, an immoral agency. I believe income tax is immoral. And number two, an agency that's gone rogue. 87,000 agents. Why do IRS agents need firearms? Have you ever asked yourself that? They're supposed to be bookkeepers. They're supposed to be bean counters. So here, here you have a perfect example of, uh, of where we are in this country, and the FBI is failing also, the FBI, I believe, I think the FBI needs to be defunded and we'll live with the consequences and we'll let state police and state investigators uh, fill the gap because I think it can be done. The FBI and the IRS are totally out of control. And by the way, I'll make one uh, more editorial statement here. 
If you elect DeSantis as president, or you elect Pence or Christie or any of these other buffoons, you will have a guy or lady in there who's going to be immediately campaigning for the next four years and will not have the spine to do anything that Donald Trump would do if he is elected as the 47th president again. Because I believe that Donald Trump is going to go scorched earth. When I hear him talking the way he's talking in some of his videos he's putting out, I'm, I'm just cheering. I'm posting him on social media constantly. He's talking about the 14th Amendment. Who's talking about the four? Who's talking about uh, deporting illegals? I mean, literally, he's talking about using the, he calls it the Eisenhower model. It's called Operation Wetback. Yes, it's called Operation Wetback in 1954. And Eisenhower used a general by the name of Swing to swing down from Washington, Oregon into California and deport illegals. And they self-deported as well to the tune of somewhere they estimate around a million illegals. Back then in 1954, think about if we did something like that today. Donald Trump is talking about doing that. Donald Trump is talking about eliminating, quote, birthright citizenship, a.k.a. the 14th Amendment. There is no birthright citizenship. We've covered this many times on this program because the Guatemalan who squats and has a baby in the United States is under the jurisdiction of Guatemala, not the United States. Read the 14th Amendment. Under the jurisdiction thereof. What jurisdiction is the Guatemalan under? Guatemala. Send the baby back. Not a U.S. citizen, along with the parents. Sayonara. Hasta la bye-bye. And no one else is talking about this, Special Ed. And, and this is why I say to people, are you out of your mind not supporting Donald Trump, especially after the persecution and prosecution that he's been put through? I mean, these people who have abandoned Donald Trump make me ill. You know, I, I take a look at it, and the most feared man in America, maybe even the world, is Donald Trump. And I'll tell you why, because let's suppose all these conspiracy theories came true. Let's suppose we take a look at what happened, you know, four or six years ago and us trying to like clean up the swamp. And you go take a look at where we're at right now. And the reason that we're where we are right now is because we reversed everything that Trump did to go correct that. So yes, he's the most vetted individual probably on the planet. He's had a cavity search with every single orifice, fingernail, eyeball, toe of anybody else. And so, yeah, they scared the he, he, he just scares the hell out of people, period. And that's a good thing. And again, even to this day, even though he was elected president of the United States, he's not a politician. Chris Christie is a politician. Nikki Haley is a politician. Mike Pence is a politician. They're all politicians. He doesn't care. That's what you need. Don't you understand, you people who have abandoned Donald Trump? He's exactly the right man at the right time. Do you see anybody else talking about birthright citizenship? And ending it? No. Why? Because he's got the guts to do it. So Donald Trump has the guts to defund, if you will, as much as possible, HHS. HHS, and he, can, he can gut Obamacare. Unpopular? You bet. Who cares? Who cares? He doesn't have anything to lose. Do we need to fix Medicare and Social Security and make them solvent again? Yeah, that would be a good idea. How about eliminating Department of Education, Department of Energy, and the EPA? How about, he can't eliminate them as president. Only Congress can do that. But he can gut them. He can get it going. And again, Pence, DeSantis, any of these people, they don't have the political backbone or other parts of the anatomy uh, to do something like this. I got to skip the AM radio story, uh, Special Ed. I'll just mention that Congress is looking at AM radio because Tesla and company are, are talking about eliminating it. But I think Tesla has caved on that and said, okay, we'll put an AM radio back in there. And while you're at it, Tesla, why don't you put a heater in your car? Um, but we got to go to this, um, why don't we, we got to go to this PGA uh, um, move or 54 merger. Um, I, I'm just shocked by this. And I, I, you know, I haven't badmouthed Saudi Arabia a lot over the years. But I know that they are different than us. And it's not just because of their faith. Um, but they, they operate differently. 
And if you look at the, the liberals in this country, they're total 180 of, of, the, uh, of the Arabs, of, of Saudi Arabia and company in that region of the world. And we know that there are links, direct links, to the 9-11 terrorists in Saudi Arabia. And so for the PGA to come out and say, woohoo, we signed this agreement with Saudi Arabia, listen, there's a couple things that I would say on this. Number one, I don't think that's a good thing for America and Americans. I don't think we want to be that close to Saudi Arabia. You know, you want to do what Ronald Reagan did, trust but verify with, with Saudi Arabia. And enter into a business deal, look what they've done with oil. I mean, look at the track record with oil and how they've manipulated the markets. There's your agreement. And so I think the PGA is making a huge mistake here, but it's a slap in the face the families of the 9-11 survivors or the 9-11 victims. And it's a slap in the face to all Americans who understand what happened on 9-11. You know, there's a, there's a little airport in Venice that now its claim to fame is that two of the 9-11 terrorists learned to fly there. And it's an unfortunate, you know, infamy for that airport. But it's a lasting legacy. And those guys, I believe, were from Saudi Arabia. Now, just because they're from Saudi Arabia, you don't have to condemn the entire country. That said, we know what goes on in Saudi Arabia. And it's not exactly democracy, and it's certainly not a constitutional republic. So I have a problem with what they did. I think it's a, it's a, it's a problem in, in, in an American sense. But here's the other problem I have, Special Ed, and I'll let you go. It is, I believe that competition is good. What are you afraid of, PGA? Why do you have to... Why were you suing them in the first place? You know, there were all these lawsuits back and forth. Why were you doing that? What, what's the problem? They had a better deal. They offered it to some of their, uh, the golfers and they took it. What's the problem? You, you have a good product. Keep your product good. Competition is good. You know, let the, let the two leagues exist, coexist together. And, you know, let the, the best men win, if you will. Or maybe they'll coexist like the NFL with the AFC and the NFC, you know, they, they merged, but they still kept them separate. Um, and by the way, the NFL is a monopoly, even though we have these other leagues going on. The bottom line is a monopoly is not good for anything or anyone. And we have antitrust laws <laughs> preventing that. Yet on the international stage, I guess it doesn't apply. So I have two problems with this, among others. One is, is I think it's un-American, what they did. And number two, I think it's, um, it's, it's not in the best interest of golf. Go ahead, Ed. Well, first of all, whenever you see things like this that happen, I think you have to do what we've always talked about, follow the money. I think if you have to go take a look at the Saudi Public Investment Fund, they are just rich, filthy rich in, in money, and they're investing in a whole lot of sports entities around the world. They're also investing in the European League and the Premier League in soccer. So it isn't surprising that they're doing what, What's surprising is I understand as more and more of this comes out that they've been in discussion with each other for the last four weeks. Now, now we have to go back to the turncoat in all of this, which is the PGA chairman, Jay Monahan, and everybody that's out there coming up and saying like, you know, everybody has a price and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of compensation Jay Monahan has after this merger. Because he was, you know, loyal to, you know, the people of 9-11 and saying, you know, this is wrong. We should never do that. And the people that join this live tour are, you know, nothing but sellouts to you and to the PGA Tour. But guess what? Now he's trying to walk it all back because guess what? I think he's got a bunch of oil that's just loading up his pocketbooks right now. Apparently there was uh, a heated meeting between this Monaghan, who's the chairman of the PGA, and the pro golfers. I don't know if Tiger Woods was there. I don't know who was there. Maybe they did it via Zoom. I mean, they're all over the, the country, right? Or maybe he's a, I don't, I don't know how they did it. But there was a meeting yesterday, and they ripped him. They ripped him right in front of his face, and good for them. And they, they called for him to resign. And so uh, I don't think he has the backbone to do it, but uh, that's the way the PGA players. And, you know, you, probably what's going through their mind is, hey, we stayed loyal to the PGA, these other guys went to the uh, 54 golf and got these big paychecks and now they're being folded back into the PGA. Look at us, you know, like they're not wealthy enough. But the point is, is that, um, you know, they got 
screwed over, if you will. And um, the loyalty was, was, was simply not there. And what happened to Greg Norman? Greg Norman was the, the name and the face and the, the chief operating officer, I thought, of 54 Golf. Well, I think you know, part, part of the, the, the challenge is the fact that, I mean, Greg Norman was doing exactly what he was hired to go do. He was hired to go make Live Golf a competitor to the PGA, and he did it extremely well. And consequently, by him being head down and focused with that, he was only focused on what Live Golf was going to do. Monahan, on the other hand, was scared to death because he knew that his brand and everything else had fallen apart. So Greg Norman, you know, for all the good that he did, is going to be the guy that's going to come out as one of the losers out of this whole thing. I think it's a mistake. I will say this. Donald Trump was right. He predicted this merger. So he was right again. And, uh, you know, he was dead on target, but he looks at it as a businessman, you know, not he, he's not evaluating it like I am. He's looking at it as a, as a business proposition. And he was dead on target once again. And so um, it's unfortunate. I, I think it's a it's a huge mistake and I don't think it's better for golf. I'm still going to go out there and hack the ball around, but uh, I'm not a member of the PGA. Special Ed, you're going to be signing autographs on Saturday um, at uh, noon at the birthday party for Donald Trump? Yes, I will be, and hopefully I will have a conservative ground hat that's going to be on top of my head. And no, I'm not going to be wearing a pink shirt like you. <laughs> I think a conservative ground hat with a pink shirt is a fashion statement. But you you come dressed <laughs> as however you want to, Special Ed. We'll see everybody there on Saturday, June 10th, noon to 5 p.m., Madeira Beach. It's Donald Trump's birthday bash. And we'll be hearing from the likes of Roger Stone and company. And I will not be singing, but I will be pledging the national anthem or pledging the, the Pledge of Allegiance and, and lip syncing the uh, national anthem because you don't want to hear me sing. I'm not going to be doing the invocation either because I'm terrible at praying out loud. I, I pray all the time silently, and that's the best way for me. So um, we'll see you on uh, Saturday if you can make it. Special Ed signing autographs, and we're signing off this edition of the. Ledger Report, Cracker 82.5, is on its way to the Archives of the Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I'm Graham Ledger, along with Special Ed. And remember, even when we're wrong, we are right. Right.